This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by Affirm Films' Show Me the Father. The creators of War Room and Courageous, the Kendrick Brothers, explore fatherhood through five true stories. Show Me the Father, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters now. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. Well, it has been 20 years since those four hijacked airplanes commandeered by Islamic terrorists slammed into the World Trade Center towers, the Pentagon, and the ground near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It is a day none of us will ever forget. But how demoralizing and depressing is it to head into this 9-11 anniversary with our heads hanging as a nation because of the catastrophe the Biden administration unleashed in Afghanistan? Not only did this administration inexplicably abandon and hundreds of Americans, but we are being mocked by the Islamic terrorists as they parade around with billions of dollars worth of U.S. military equipment and celebrate their victory all over the Internet. We need to understand, as my next guest says, that the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan is the new caliphate that likely will become the epicenter of jihad. Will this anniversary of 9-11 ironically be remembered as the year that America's own president just ramped up international terrorism to a whole new level and endangered? his own people like never before. We're going to get some thoughts on it now from national security analyst and New York Times bestselling author Brigitte Gabriel, who is founder and chairman of Act for America. Her latest bestseller is called Rise in Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and Freedom. Brigitte, so good to have you with us. Thank you very much for being here. I thank you, Janet. I'm delighted to be back with you. Well, I'm always glad to talk to you, and I think you are right. You wrote that what is happening in Afghanistan is not about the Taliban. It's about the fall of America. And I just sat back and thought about that for about 30 seconds because I think you're right on the money. What are your thoughts on that? Why did you write that specifically when you were reflecting on what's been going on? I wrote it the way I did because what we are watching right now, Janet, is the reshuffling of world powers. We are literally watching history in the making, the reshaping of world powers, not just for the next few years, not just for the next few decades, but it may be for the next century. Because right now, America, which was a shining city on a hill that spread freedom and justice and stood up for free speech and stood up for what is right worldwide, has now just stepped back and gave that reign to the axis of evil, China, Iran, Islamic terrorists, because today, if you are a Russian, if you are a Chinese, if you are an Islamic terrorist, if you are a jihadist, if you are a North Korean, what you are watching in Afghanistan is not about the rise of the Taliban. It is about the surrender of the United States and the total failure uh, of and the abdication of duty after 20 years of war in Afghanistan, where we spent billions of dollars and thousands of lives of our sons and daughters who gave up their lives for freedom and actually did it for nothing. That's the sad reality. Oh, man, you've said so much there. When we look at what President Biden and his administration are trying to say now, and it's pathetic, they're trying to make some kind of spin that nobody is really buying who isn't on the far left. But he's trying to say, well, this is good because I ended the war in Afghanistan. We've been there for 20 years. We have to get out sometime. We're not buying that. But how in the world do we respond to that lame excuse coming from this administration that, 
oh, it doesn't matter what we did to Americans or what we did to Afghanistan or the rise of Islamic terror coming back to the forefront right on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 because we needed to get out of there. What, what is your response to that? Well, look, uh, first of all, I have never seen a failure celebrated so magnificently at the highest level. You watch what's happening with our leadership right now on Capitol Hill and in Congress and at the White House. You look at the president speaking and you shake your head and you think to yourself, is this Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Is this like really a shtick on Saturday Night Live? Or this is reality? It is so far away from reality that it's almost unbelievable. It, it, it is, it's so laughable, but it is very sad. Look, everybody wanted to get out of Afghanistan. We all knew we wanted to get out of Afghanistan. The problem is not the country and the people of America agreeing on getting out of Afghanistan or not. It is how we got out of Afghanistan. Look, we are still in Syria right now. We have troops in Syria. We have troops in Iraq. We don't have a, 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 a whole military battalion like we have uh, in Afghanistan. So we still have groups on the ground to give us intelligence. Uh, somehow Biden doesn't even remember that we have troops on the ground in Syria. But this is how you maintain a presence, at least to be able to gather intelligence on what your enemy is doing so you can go in on strike when they get out of line and you get out. That's exactly what President Trump did. Look what he did in Syria. Right. But what the way we left Afghanistan is the problem. The way we left Afghanistan in a humiliating defeat, at least when the Russians left, they took their equipment with them. Right now, our enemies are parading using our equipment, 85 to $90 billion worth of equipment left by the United States. Right now, the Taliban, Janet, are more funded as a military, as an army, more than 85% of other nations worldwide. I mean, they have equipment on par, obviously because it's American uh, equipment uh, of the United States and China. They even have technology that neither China or Iran or anybody in the world has. But right now, they're exporting it to them and they have already seen, uh, we have already seen pictures uh, where uh, some of our uh, vehicles and equipment is being moved to Iran right now. So that's the problem that we are having. The fact that we left Americans behind to die, the fact that we left uh, billions of dollars in machinery and equipment, the fact that we left uh, God knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars in cash, in pallets of cash for the Taliban. That's the problem we are dealing with. Oh, it's sickening. And you've pointed out rightly that we've seen such a politicization of our military leaders. They're more focused on being woke and being pro-gay pride and pro-transgender than they've been about Americans being rescued prior to withdrawing our troops from Afghanistan. Do you think there was any thought given, good good amount of thought given to, hey, we better plan this right? Or was this just sheer incompetence? Was this more, would you say, ideological in nature in terms of how they executed this? Or do you think it was just, they don't know what they're doing over there? Sheer incompetence. Because when you have the head, the U.S. commander, the commander of all the U.S. troops in NATO in Afghanistan, say that he was shocked absolutely shocked at how fast the Afghan army surrendered to the Taliban. Goes to show you he did not understand his enemy. Whatever happened to understanding your enemy, that's how you win wars. You cannot bury your head between your legs and pretend the problem does not exist just because you wish it not to exist or because you're looking 
looking at the problem through the prism of this ideological world of this utopia you live in and you reflect your values on your enemies. What happened was our leaders, our military generals reflected their opinion, uh, their Western values on an enemy thinking, well, we gave them all this money, we trained them for 20 years, and of course they're going to fight. If they would have known anything about tribal culture, if they would have known anything about the ideology of radical Islam, they would have understood that the, that the Afghan army is not going to stand up and fight the Taliban. There are so many intricacies in the culture that they are not going to stand up and fight the Taliban on their own, and that's why they surrendered so fast. It should not have been a shock to our military, and they should have been prepared, but they were not because they did not plan for that scenario. And, and, and the sad thing, Janet, and as much as I hate saying this, our military brass has become so incompetent. When you look at Milley up top, when yeah. you look at Miller, when you look at even the Secretary of State, when you look at when you look at that, but let's stick with the military generals. When you look at Milley from the top down, our policy in our military right now, they are more interested in teaching our military critical race theory, gender equality, and oh, a very important one: men can give birth. Let's oh. not forget about that one yeah. because we need to. We have to. In order for us to win wars, we need to believe that men can give birth. So this is where the priority of our military has been. And, and this situation in Afghanistan is so upsetting that you just want to look at Milley and you want to say to him, you know what? The military brass has not been able to win a war in the last three quarters of a century. America has not won a war in three quarters of a century. Maybe we need to bring some goat herders, some Taliban from Afghanistan to teach our military military brass at West Point how to win wars again. Isn't that a shame? Well, Brigitte Gabriel with us and we'll come back on Janet Mefford today. Stay with us. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mafford for Bible League International. Jaime is an itinerant pastor in Ecuador. In Latin America, there, there are violence. Pastors and Christian workers uh, face with attackers, thieves, gangs. So that's the, that's the problem. 
Jaime will travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks, robbed, and suffered broken bones after falling in the Andes Mountains. What awaits him at the end of each trip? A thriving congregation of hundreds of believers in an area where Christianity is fiercely opposed. When I share Jaime's story, I recall Isaiah 6, 8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? I believe this man is enduring more than some pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's word. For only $5, you can send a Bible to Latin America and around the world, and a special match will double your gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, I think all of us who vividly remember 9-11 as it unfolded on that bright, sunny day just hoped that on the 20th anniversary we would be able to say we have come so far, we've made such dents in Islamic terrorism that we'll never face that kind of threat again. But unfortunately, we can't say that. The debacle in Afghanistan is only showing us how dangerous a world we're living in, much more so now under the Biden administration. And joining us to talk about it, National Security Analyst Brigitte Gabriel, founder and chairman of Act for America. When we are talking about the fall of America, Brigitte, as you said it so well a few minutes ago, a lot of Americans are now wondering, what is next? We've got the Taliban celebrating with all of our billions of dollars in U.S. equipment, as we discussed before. We've got the rise of ISIS-K. We've got Al-Qaeda coming out of the shadows. What is next? What do you fear will be next for America? Because there are a lot of Americans who are already saying, okay, when is the next 9-11? Exactly. Look, we've got... Totally open borders. Nobody's being held accountable. Nobody, anybody can waltz into our country anytime they want. This lesson is not only, uh, not only do the Mexicans know that they can just waltz into our country, but the rest of the world knows. Yeah. That's exactly why we are seeing an uptick of people from different nationalities trying to cross our borders. Rest assured that the uh, people from the Middle East are going to do it, the Iranians are going to do it. Look, I write in my book Rise, in my latest book, I write there was an employee at the Mexican embassy in Beirut, Lebanon, selling visas for $3,000 to Mexico for anybody who wants to buy it because he knew, they know, that if you can buy a visa to get to Mexico, you could literally dance your way into the United States. This is how easy to get in. So having such porous borders like this and have a complete lack of vetting at our immigration entry points, even at the airports coming into the United States. Because remember, uh, Biden wanted to undo every Every single thing President Trump did to secure the nation, including the ban uh, from terrorist nations on people coming into the country. Uh, right now, CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, is trying to remove uh, the names of people or do away completely with the terror watch list because they feel it's discriminating against Muslims. <sighs> but the reality is the reality, and we cannot ignore reality. And so we are going to see an uptick in jihadi activity because Afghanistan is going to become the center of... Uh, of uh, uh, international terrorism. We have already uh, seen uh, uh, social media posts and on website, on Islamic websites, celebrating the victory of the Taliban, vowing to come to make the migration into Afghanistan to participate in this great jihad because they believe Afghanistan is the new caliphate that basically replaced the ISIS caliphate. What that means to America? 
There are going to be more plots against the United States that we're not going to be able to know about because now we do not have intelligence on the ground in Afghanistan because no one wants to work with us, not after we threw our allies under the bus the way we treated them. Right. And Americans right now, you know, September 11th, Janet, was a defining moment for the United States in 2001. It changed the way we live. It changed the way we travel. It changed the way we think. It changed the way we live our lives. Um, you cannot travel to see grandma right now going from Virginia Beach to Dallas without being patted at the airport, take your shoes off, walk through the machines, everybody. It changed the way we live. Yeah. It was a defining moment for America. I hope this 20th anniversary of September 11th is going to be a defining moment to every person listening to me right now, listening to this radio interview, because we need every single American engaged and involved. You can no longer sit on the sideline and say, well, I vote every two years, I do my part. A lot of things happen in between two years. You need to be involved in your local community. You need to be engaged. Go to our website, actforamerica.org, and join us. Actforamerica.org. Uh, click, click on Take Action. Start a group. Sign up to get our emails and action alerts. Uh, join a group in your community so you can be connected with other patriots who care about the country as much as you do. Sign our petition, our action alerts. We need to be able to reach you when there's an important bill coming down for a vote. This is how we as Americans can come together and work together peacefully and democratically to impact change and bring about change to our country. Because rest assured, the left is doing it. They are very good at it. Now it's our time to do it. Oh, amen. I, I think that's so important, everything you've just said. And you are really making an important point, Brigitte, when you're discussing the porous border. I'm in Texas. We know what's going on here and other parts of the southern border. But when we look at some of the reports from Border Patrol that they have captured people who are on the terror watch list and, and we're able to get them out, but there were others surely who made it in. There's been reports about Hezbollah having been in the United States in certain cities for years. Who knows to the extent that is true. That's very, very disturbing. But what about also the issue of refugees coming here? Because this has always been you know, something the Obama administration was all in on. And as you mentioned, President Trump put a stop to the terror-linked countries sending people here for the time being and got into all kinds of court action over that. But what about these reports that you have people from Afghanistan many of whom can't be properly vetted, coming into Dulles Airport and they're telling people, just let them go. If they wander off, don't follow them. What, what in the world is going on? Janet, all these Afghanis coming in cannot be properly vetted, are not properly vetted. Not only some of them, all of them. Yeah. Right now, we are literally having a hard time trying to find and hire translators to translate to these people because they're not understanding what we're saying to them. <laughs> these are not the translators that worked with us in Afghanistan. The people that made it on the planes to come to the United States are not the people who worked with us, are not the people who stood by us over there. These are people who just decided, hey, there's a plane going. We might as well just get on the plane and come into the United States. So 
we can enjoy all the goodies that are, we're going to receive from America. Look, even our enemies that hate our guts want to come here and enjoy uh, what America has to offer, all the financial blessings from America. And why we look down on welfare in the United States, for these people who are coming from Afghanistan, the minute they land, they're going to be going to a heated and air conditioning apartment. They're going to have uh, electricity. They're going to have a dishwasher. They're going to have a washer dryer. Uh, they're going to have uh, a dental care, medical care. No, they didn't have any of these things in Afghanistan. So uh, even what we consider as welfare, for them, they're walked into a luxury life and they have won the lottery. So I, we know in the intelligence community that there is no question that some Afghan Afghanis who are sympathetic to the Taliban are already on those planes and are already coming here to the United States. And that poses a great threat to America, not only financial drainage of all the finances that, that, that they're going to suck out of our government, uh, take it away from your children, my children, and our families, but also the threat because they are going to sympathize with the terrorists who commit terrorist attack. A lot of them believe that suicide bombing is justified under Islam. Uh, so the, the terrorists are going to have a very sympathetic uh, group that just came into the United States to work with them. It's incredible. And so much is coming out that is just making matters worse. The Taliban is reportedly moving our weaponry into Iran. We know Biden wants to go down the Obama road with Iran again. We've got the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, talking about giving aid potentially to the Taliban. And this is just out of control. And going back to the subtitle of your great book, Rise, Brigitte, your subtitle is In Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and Freedom. And from the beginning of the terror attacks on America on 9-11, we who are Christians, have been saying, we are losing this nation, the foundation upon which this country was built. Why it is that so many people around the world want to come here is because of our Judeo-Christian values, our Judeo-Christian foundation that gave birth to liberty and freedom. How do we go back to that? There are millions who I think got excited under President Trump who are like, finally, somebody understands. How do we regain that as we move forward? Look, President Trump fought for the nation, and everybody depended on President Trump doing the work, and he did. But nobody wanted to do the work themselves. Yeah. You know, a lot of Christians say, well, I'm praying for our nation. I'm praying for our nation. You know what? Prayer without work is not enough. Mm -hmm. We named the organization Act for America. Not think about America, not hope for America, not pray for America, not wish for America. You should pray and hope and wish for our country. But without action, nothing changes. Jesus was the first activist. Jesus set the standard as to how activism should be done. When he saw something wrong, he walked into that temple. He overthrew the tables. He took a stand. It is our duty as Christians to do whatever we can to use our God-given gifts to make a difference. We are instruments in God's hand. God doesn't change the world through lightning in the sky. God uses his people as instruments. And it's not enough to go to church on Sunday and say, I'm praying for our nation. What else are you doing? How else are you engaged? Are you doing your duty as a citizen to the nation that has blessed you so much? Again, I hope this interview, I hope when you hear my word, it will be a defining 
defining moment for you to say, God, show me what you want me to do. Uh, I, I, I pray and hope that you would choose to become involved with us, to act for America, not just pray for America, pray and act for America. Go to actforamerica.org, start a group in your community. If there is no group near you, start one. Even if you have three, four friends who agree with you uh, about and worried about our country to stand up and defend our Judeo-Christian values, which are under attack, start a group. Start a group in your church. Uh, have it be a subgroup. Start a group within your Bible study. Um, if there's no group near you, join a group if you don't have the time. At whatever level you are able to help and become engaged, and even support financially if you are able, we can use your support. Act for America is the name of the organization. Everybody can do something. My philosophy is when everyone does a little, together we can accomplish a lot. Well, wonderful. We do need all hands on deck. And I think of that especially at this 20th anniversary because we want to honor those victims, those almost 3,000 Americans who were murdered 20 years ago. We cannot forget them. We have a duty, too, to preserve this wonderful nation God has blessed us with. Well, God bless you, Brigitte Gabriel. Keep up the good work. And it was so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Great being with you. All right. You take care. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Janet Mufford Today. This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by Courageous Legacy, the new movie from Sherwood Pictures, Affirm Films, Provident Films, and the Kendrick Brothers. Remastered in 4K and including a new ending, Courageous Legacy, rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters, September 24th. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. This hour of Janet Mefford today is brought to you by Affirm Films. Show me the father from the Kendrick Brothers, the creators of War Room and Courageous. Explore fatherhood through five true stories. Show me the father rated PG parental guidance suggested now playing. While we continue on commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up on Saturday, and there's so much to talk about. One of the things I have noticed is as Afghans who are basically unvetted are coming into the country and hundreds are being placed in various cities around the country and various localities. There's a lot to talk about. And I've noticed a lot of these leftist evangelicals are beginning to beat the refugee resettlement drum yet again. I've talked quite a bit in the past about people like the woke in the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Russell Moore contingent, the Big Eva contingent, talking about their buddies at World Relief. Well, World Relief, there's nothing wrong with settling, resettling genuine refugees, but we don't even know if a lot of these people coming into the country are genuine refugees. All I know is that these refugee resettlement agencies are about money. It's about money. We know it's about money. That's how they make their money because they're federal contractors. So one of the people who has been beating this drum includes Bob Roberts Jr. You might remember that name. He's kind of the Chrislam guy. This is the guy who's always making friends with the Muslim community and putting down evangelicals as hating Muslims. And he's going to be the great interfaith bridge builder. We've talked about him before. He's from Northwood Church in Texas. And he also heads up the Glocal Net 
uh, uh, which is a, I don't know what it is. It's a family of churches. And then you have his other organization, the Multi-Faith Neighbors Network. And it's all about allegedly holding on to the exclusive theology of Christianity while building deep relationships with other faiths and serving the city together. Well, you can imagine what it really is when you dig deeply into their beliefs and what they say and what they don't say. I want to play a little bit from Pastor Zach Lambert. He is pastor of Restore Austin Church in Texas. He recently appeared on Fox 7 Austin to talk about what they will be doing. They are working together with the Islamic Center of Greater Austin. This is the Multi-Faith Neighbors Network, headed up by Bob Roberts Jr. He's part of this, and they're collecting supplies for the refugees coming in from Afghanistan. But I, I have to play for you what is behind this, because this is such a good example of what people need to realize underpins some of this stuff that goes on that sounds on the surface like it's wonderful, helping refugees. Listen, everybody wants to help their neighbor. Here's how the conversation began, though. Listen to cut one. Religious leaders from various faiths are helping Afghan refugees resettle in the U.S. It is part of the effort to symbolize unity ahead of the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. You know, you're working with imams and rabbis as part of the multi-faith neighbors network 9-11 day of service. Why is it important to show unity across the different faiths? You know, I think it's because far too often throughout history, religion has been used to justify violence and oppression, and and it's still happening today as we see. And this is not only tragic, obviously, because of the human cost, but because of the violence and oppression, those are perversions of religion themselves. And in its purest form, Christianity is about flourishing for all people. And I know my friend Imam Atiyah would say the same thing if he were here about Islam, as my rabbi friends would say about Judaism. And so even though we might have different theological beliefs, we share the same commitment to building resilient and flourishing communities for the common good. Uh, Okay, first of all, let's refute some of this. Religion has been used to justify violence. Which religion has used its own tenets to justify violence. Let's just say in the last 20 years, which religion is it that uses violence to advance its religious ideals? I'll wait. You can think about it, Pastor, because it isn't Christianity and it isn't Judaism. And by the way, in its purest form, whatever that happens to be in his mind, Christianity is not about flourishing. I've come to really be triggered by that word because they overuse it all the time. Christianity is about flourishing for all people. I thought Christianity was about salvation for sinners through Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, the hope of forgiveness and eternal life that is given to sinners by God's grace alone through Christ alone. That's what Christianity is about in its purest form, in any form. I mean, how do you get that wrong and wear the title pastor? Well, let's look a little more deeply into his theology because this interviewer asks him, so do those three faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam share the same God? Here's what he said. Cut to you. Uh, a, a, a quick theological question. Those three faiths, do they share the same God? Yeah, you know, um, that's a, a common uh, debate among um, all three of those religions, but they are called the Abrahamic religions because they descend from Abraham um, and uh, have the, Abraham was wor- worshiping um, God who obviously had many names um, and we would use different names for them today, for him today in religions. Um, And so some would say yes, some would say no. Wow. That was clear as mud. How hard is it to say, no, we don't worship the same God. 
We do not worship the same God. You can't go back to the Abrahamic faiths argument. And and as far as Judaism is concerned, yes, it's the same God, but they reject the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So there's the difference there. And with Islam, it's not the same God. He can't even say no, and he can't even say yes. He just walks right down the middle. Then he's asked about the kinds of challenges that he and other religious leaders have faced since 9-11. You can guess what's said here. This is cut three. Uh, you know, I was 12 years old on 9-11, uh, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And in the aftermath, there was a sharp rise in Islamophobia among Christians. And unfortunately, some folks still carry that today. And so as a pastor, I'll just speak to me. My challenge is to help Christians understand that, that Muslims um, are not our adversaries. They are our neighbors. The same goes for our Jewish friends. Um, and the idea is that Christian actually means little Christ. And so people that are pursuing the way of Jesus and modeling their lives after Christ. And so when they asked Jesus what the most important thing in the world was, he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So we aren't loving our Muslim and Jewish neighbors and all of our neighbors, those who have lived next to us for a long time and those who are traveling here from Afghanistan as refugees right now, that we aren't really being Christian in any meaningful sense of the word. And so that's what I'm really trying to help our people with as a challenge post 9-11. I see. The greatest challenges that you have faced as a religious leader is the Islamic uh, Islamophobic Christians. Are you kidding me? Not terrorism, not homegrown terrorism, not the people who have been murdered on American soil since 9-11, like in San Bernardino, like in Orlando, Florida. That's not a particular problem. Terror isn't a problem. Jihad isn't a problem. Terrorists coming across our open border, that's no problem because Biden is allowing it to happen. I guess we don't have to worry about that. The real problem in life, folks, is Islamophobic Christians. And this guy calls himself an evangelical, part of this network of a so-called evangelical who holds to exclusive theology. See, this is where it all comes off the rails when you start listening to what they say when they're doing their media hits. I got to play this, too. This is Bob Roberts, Jr. uh, talking about this upcoming global net conference. I'm just going to let him speak for himself. Listen to this. This is cut four. When was the last time you went to a missions conference where they had rabbis and imams, ambassadors from communist and Muslim countries, humanitarian workers and business leaders? Well, I want to invite you to join us at the Global Net Family Conference. The theme is flourishing. It'll be at Houston Northwest Church in Houston, Texas, September 20 through 22. It's going to be incredible. Instead of just talking about what people are like in the world, they're literally going to be present with us. We're going to ask them, how are we doing? How can we do a better job of sharing the gospel where people can understand it? Does that sound crazy? It's not. It's what people did in the Bible, and it's what they've done throughout the church history. It's not a conference where talking heads as preachers are preaching sermons. It's where we're coming together, together, to learn to share the good news of Jesus. I hope you'll join us. No, I'm not joining you. And by the way, I'm not joining you. It does sound crazy because it is crazy. And this isn't what the church has historically done. Had missions conference at which you invite imams to tell you how you're doing and how you can do a better job of sharing the gospel. This is the old Hybels routine. You go Bill Hybels, you go door to door in your neighborhood and you ask the non-Christians what they want in a church. Look how that turned out at Willow Creek. Look how that turned out. 
These are the people who are all in on bringing Afghan refugees here and insulting evangelical Christians and saying you're a bunch of Islamophobes if you're not involved in interfaith alliances. I'm all for befriending people from different cultures and religions so we can win them to Jesus Christ. And we should love people with the love of God. And we should love our neighbors. But that doesn't mean we compromise the gospel and start insulting other Christians. These people are just unbelievable. We're going to come back. There's more to come on Janet Mefford today. From Affirm Films comes the Kendrick Brothers' Show Me the Father. The creators of War Room and Courageous take moviegoers on a cinematic journey that invites you to think differently about your earthly father and how you relate to God through five true stories. I'm stunned. He's real. He's really out there. And this is really him. This is really him. Show Me the Father. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Now playing. More information is available at showmethefathermovie.com. Hi, this is Kirk Cameron, and I am honored to be partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help moms choose life. Actor Kirk Cameron supports Preborn. My four oldest children were adopted. That is because of caring and compassionate people who help those young mothers choose life. My wife is an adopted child, and her birth mother chose life for her. If it weren't for those caring individuals that help those young moms value the sacredness of life, I wouldn't have my wife, I wouldn't have my four adopted children, and the two natural-born children that we have wouldn't exist either. My whole family is here because of people that are involved with ministries like Preborn. Help moms choose life with Preborn. Your gift of $28 provides an abortion-minded mother a potentially life-saving ultrasound. $140 could save five babies. You can give now at 855-601-BABY. That's 855-601-2229 or visit preborn.com. From Sherwood Pictures, Affirm Films, Provident Films, and the Kendrick Brothers comes Courageous Legacy. Celebrating 10 years of impact on families and fathers, remastered in 4K, and including a new ending and bonus scenes. So where are you, men of courage? I believe every father should step up and answer the call and say, I will, I will. Courageous Legacy, rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theater, September 24th. More information is available at CourageousTheMovie.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Have we really learned anything 20 years after 9-11? That question is a little bit haunting. I want to go to a piece that appeared in the American Mind just a few days ago. Michael Anton from Hillsdale College was the author. It's called Importing Enemies. You should read the whole thing. It's very, very good. Talking about the demand to resettle Afghan refugees actually brings the war home. And he talks about the fact that our rulers want to use, meaning the ruling elite, our rulers want to use a crisis they created as justification to ram through what they always wanted to do anyway, which in this case is to resettle a hundred or 200,000, the number varies depending on who's speaking, foreigners with no tradition of liberty who are indeed from a culture deeply alien and even hostile to Western civilizational norms in your communities. It's kind of like COVID. We create the crisis. You never let a serious crisis go to waste. And then you turn to us for the solution to the crisis, which is what we were planning all along. And he asks, does anyone really believe that America has or ever had 
even over the duration of two decades, 200,000 allies in Afghanistan, that we ever employed even a fraction of that number as translators, the claim is risable on its face. The regime has, in any case, already admitted that of the roughly 111,000 Afghans already evacuated, it has no idea who the vast majority of them are. Our masters tell us that we must save allies and translators and then in the next breath admit that they're indiscriminately taking anyone. Anyone. And even if we took in the translators and people we could identify, they would number at most in the thousands, not the hundreds of thousands currently in the process of resettlement. Also, he says, there are many compelling reasons not to take in Afghan refugees. First and foremost, he cites America's massive problems here at home. We're a decaying, half-broken society littered with dying communities, withering industries, and neglected and even despised citizens. We need to get our own house in order and fast. Our priority should be to secure our borders, rebuild our industrial base, combat deaths of despair by giving ordinary people reason to hope, reform our increasingly anti-white education system, definancialize the economy and much else. Secondly, cultural compatibility matters. Great point. A Pew survey conducted in 2013 found that 99% of Afghans want Sharia law to be the law of the land. Sharia is about as far from American constitutionalism and law as you can get. We couldn't make Afghans into liberal Democrats over there. What makes them think that we can do it here? And think about this. The elites aren't even into constitutionalism. So why would they care about that? And really, this is a more reasonable option that they should go to countries closest to Afghanistan where the culture and language and customs are most similar. And third... There is an article a few years ago by Cheryl Bernard, the wife of a former U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan, who detailed how Afghan refugees have the worst crime and public assistance rates of all refugee groups in Europe. She admitted the article was painful to write, but the truth had to be known. Why would we willingly and knowingly import more crime and more poverty? And what about the sexual abuse problem? I've referenced that before. A related point is a great many American service members deployed over there observed how frequently Afghans, including many of our so-called allies, sexually abused Afghan boys, in many cases on American bases. But nobody cares about this, right? We don't have to talk about this at all. This is not a problem because Biden does no wrong. They're the left. They're in charge. You just have to take it. But I'm saying these things so when this turns into a catastrophe, we can look at the left and say, all right, well, look how well your scheme worked. And you can look at the leftist evangelicals and say, thanks for helping, guys. Well done. Sarcastically, of course. This made me think about Hezekiah in the Bible. You know, Hezekiah was one of the few kings of Judah who actually was aware of God's act in the past and his involvement in the events of every day, as Got Questions points out, and I'm referencing them. Hezekiah was a son of the wicked king Ahaz. He reigned over Judah for 29 years. And after Ahaz's wicked reign, there was much work to do. He boldly cleaned house. Pagan altars, idols, and temples were destroyed. The bronze serpent that Moses had made in the desert was destroyed because the people made it an idol. The temple in Jerusalem, whose doors had been nailed shut by Hezekiah's own father, was cleaned out and reopened. The Levitical priesthood was reinstated and the Passover was reinstituted as a national holiday. And as they say, under Hezekiah's reforms, revival came to Judah. Because King Hezekiah put God first in everything he did, God prospered him. Hezekiah held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him, according to the word of God. And when Judah faced a crisis of the Assyrians invading them, God spared them. 
God spared them. Judah faced foreign enemies and God spared them. And Hezekiah prayed in the temple. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. And God kept his promise to protect Jerusalem. Why does this matter? Because faithful men of God and faithful women of God in an hour like this are more important than ever as the salt and the light that this country needs probably more than ever before. We have to get our house in order, just like Hezekiah did. We have to do that. And I know that there are so many of you who are faithful Christians. You guys write to us and you encourage us every single day. We love you and thank you for doing that. But I'm telling you what, folks, we are at a critical hour in history. I don't know what the Lord will do, but I know this. We must turn back to him. We must turn back to him. And let's pray this country will do so. In the meantime, never forget what we lost on 9-11. That looks like a second plane Dear has Lord. just I didn't hit. see a plane go in. That, that just exploded. We I, just saw another plane coming in from the side. You did. I did that was out of absolute Yes, and that's you. the second explosion. You could see the plane come in just from the right-hand side of the screen. So this looks like it is some sort of a concerted effort to attack the World Trade Center that is underway in downtown New York. I also want to speak tonight directly to Muslims throughout the world. We respect your faith. It's practiced freely by many millions of Americans and by millions more in countries that America counts as friends. Its teachings are good and peaceful, and those who commit evil in the name of Allah blaspheme the name of Allah. The future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam. Islam is not our adversary. Muslims are peaceful and tolerant people and have nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism. Our enemy is not terrorism because terrorism is but a tactic. Our enemy is not terror because terror is a state of mind. And as Americans, we refuse to live in fear. Some Palestinians were taking to the streets in apparent celebration. One youth was quoted as saying as he received a sweet, sweets handed around in celebration. This is a sweet from Osama bin Laden, he said. Nor do we describe our enemy as jihadists or Islamists, because jihad is a holy struggle, a legitimate tenet of Islam, meaning to purify oneself of one's community. And there is nothing holy or legitimate or Islamic about murdering innocent men, women, and children. You can't say that uh, Islam is a religion of peace because Islam, it does not mean peace. Islam is, uh, it means it's Islam's submission. So the Muslim is the one who submits. You know, there's a place for violence in Islam. There's a place for jihad in Islam. Throughout history, Islam has demonstrated through words and deeds, possibilities of religious tolerance and racial equality. There's no one here yet, and the floor is completely engulfed. We're on the floor, and we can't breathe. Okay. And it's very, very, very hot. It's very, is all the lights still on? The lights are on, but it's very hot. Ma'am, ma'am. Thank very you. hot. We're all the way on the other side of Liberty, and it's very, very hot. Any lights? Did you turn the lights off? No. No, the lights are off. Okay, good. Now, everybody stay calm. Stay calm with me. Stay calm. Listen, uh, listen. The call is in. I'm documented. I'm going to let those... Hold on one second, please. I'm going to die, aren't I? No, 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 no. Say I'm going to die. Ma'am, 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 say your prayers. 
And we're not going to We're going to think positive because you got to help each other get off the floor. I'm now, no, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, stay oh, calm. God. You're doing a good job, ma'am. You're doing oh, a good job. You're it's so job. hot. I'm burning up. Americans, God Almighty has given you the grace. Whatever you do in America influences everybody in the world. One thing that Islam is doing to defeat you is causing you to be coward and fearful to stand up and speak against the invasion of Islamization which is going on in your country.